Well, in this study, from God's Word, as we begin our study, I would like to ask you to take out your Bibles, please, and go over into the Gospel of Matthew. Please go in, the, in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 at the Monte Vista Church of Christ. We're currently reading through the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be reading Matthew 24 in a few days. And because this is somewhat of a complicated and very controversial chapter, I would like to spend uh, in this class and the next couple of Bible classes just kind of trying to break down a few uh, of the things that are in this chapter. And so let's begin by reading Matthew 24 and verse 1. Matthew 24 and verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Truly, I say to you, now one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. As he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to him, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not yet the end. For a nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand Then those who are in Judea must flee into the mountains. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that you've probably heard a preacher or a teacher or just a religious person say it before. I'm pretty sure that you've probably heard someone go to this chapter before and claim that the events that are being described in it apply to us today. They're being fulfilled in our time today. Today, people say we're, we're living in a time when there are wars and rumors of wars. Today, we're living in a time when there is Famine and, and, and pestilence and, and earthquakes in various places. Today we're living in a time when kingdoms are rising up against one another. And nations are going against nations and many false prophets are leading people astray. And many Christians are hated by so many nations. Brothers and sisters, I can't begin to tell you how many times I've come across people who say that 
the signs that Jesus is describing in Matthew 24 are taking place in our time today and they are God's way of trying to warn us that that his son is about to come back soon and and the world is about to end. The question, though, is the question is, is that interpretation of these verses right? Is that interpretation true? I mean, in these verses, is Jesus talking about the signs that will precede the coming of Jesus Christ and the destruction of the world? I believe that those are very important questions that we need to consider in our first study of Matthew 24. And as we try to find the right answers to those questions, let me suggest that it is important that that we first begin our study of this chapter by by carefully considering the the context. Let's carefully consider the context of this very controversial chapter. What is the context of Matthew 24? Well, I submit to you that the context of this chapter is actually clearly given to us in the first three verses. Going back to Matthew chapter 24, notice how in the first three verses, and going back to verse 1, we find Jesus in the city of Jerusalem. He's in the holy city, and he's teaching at the temple, and eventually he comes out of the temple with his apostles, and when they come out of the temple, Jesus tells them to look around at all the temple buildings. He says, you look at all these temple buildings. He says, one day all this that you see is going to be destroyed. It's going to be completely torn down. Not one stone is going to be left upon another. Matthew 24 and verse 2, Jesus said, do you not see all these things? Do you not see all of these huge temple buildings? He says, truly, I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another, which will not be torn down. Notice how here Jesus is predicting He's predicting there, not the end of the world. Instead, he's predicting the destruction of the temple. He is saying one day this temple that you see, this temple that was constructed by King Herod, it's one day going to be torn down. The Lord is predicting the destruction of the temple. And after making that prediction in verse 3, we see that the apostles responded to that by being very by being very perplexed they were very disturbed by this prediction from Jesus they were very concerned in fact they were so concerned that when they get to the mount of olives they asked Jesus some questions they asked him a couple of questions and the first question that they ask Jesus is, when will these things happen? When will the temple be destroyed? When will not one stone be, be left upon another? In verse 2, Jesus says that there's going to come a day 
When the temple was going to be destroyed, and in verse number three, the apostles want to know when that day was going to come. In fact, it is important for us to point out that the temple's destruction here is only a small part of the larger picture. Someone says, what is the larger picture? Well, my friend, the larger picture of what the Lord is referring to here is not only would the temple one day be destroyed, but the entire city of Jerusalem would one day be destroyed. The entire city of Jerusalem would be one day wiped out by the Romans. History tells us that this occurred in 70 AD, about 40 years after Jesus made this prediction. In fact, Jesus, Jesus also addresses this in the previous chapter. Go back to Matthew 23. Look at what Jesus says in verse 37. In Matthew 23, in verse number 37, before even talking about the destruction of the temple, Jesus says in verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Verse 38, behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Notice the passion and the emotion and the power found in the words of Jesus there. Notice how there Jesus says that there were times when he wanted to gather the people of Israel under his wings the way a hen gathers her chicks. He wanted to comfort them in that way. He wanted to bless them in that way, but he couldn't because they rejected him. The people of Jerusalem and the people of Israel, for the most part, rejected him as the Messiah. They rejected him as the Son of God, and because they rejected him, Jesus says, that their house or their city or their nation, it was going to be left desolate. Desolate. In other words, God's presence and God's blessing will be removed from the city of Jerusalem. Instead of experiencing God's presence and blessing in that city, God was going to bring judgment. God was going to bring judgment on the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. That is what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 23. And that's also what he's referring to in the first three verses of Matthew chapter 24. In fact, to get, get, to get an idea of the power of what the Lord is doing here in these verses, I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine several decades in advance, Someone accurately predicting the 9-11 attacks. I want you to imagine someone maybe in 1975 or in 1980 accurately predicting how one day the World Trade Center towers in New York City, they were going to be completely torn down. They, they were going to be destroyed. They were going to they were going to completely collapse. Imagine someone making that prediction 
1975 or in 1980 or even 1985. You see, it is that kind of prediction that the Lord is making here in Matthew 24. Here the Lord is, is predicting at least 40 years, almost 40 years in advance. That's the huge and glorious temple was one day going to be demolished, and that prediction totally blew the minds of the apostles. It totally shocked the apostles. I mean, the fact that Jesus predicted the complete destruction of the enormous and, and glorious temple, that was something that, that was unfathomable. That was something that was unbelievable to them. In fact, I believe that they were so shocked by what the Lord was saying that 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 prompted them to ask a second question. And the second question was this. What's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? Some of your translations may even say what's going to be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. When the apostles asked this question. What will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? I understand that there are a couple of different interpretations that brethren hold when it comes to this, but I'm going to tell you about my conviction. My conviction from my study on this is that here with this question, the apostles are, are asking a separate question. I believe they're asking a question about the second coming of Jesus. I believe that they're referring to the literal return of Jesus from heaven one day and the end of the world. You see, maybe they figured that the destruction of something as glorious as the temple could only occur when the, when the world was destroyed. But it shouldn't surprise us if that is the case because Jesus often talked with them about his second coming. John chapter 14, angels talked about it in Acts chapter 1. Peter talked about the, the end of the world when the Lord came back in 2 Peter chapter 3. This is not an uncommon topic that is found in the New Testament. But here's what I want you to see. What I just want you to see is in order to get a good understanding of what's going on in this very controversial chapter, it is very important that we carefully consider the context. What is the context of Matthew 24? Well, the context of this chapter is given to us in the last three verses of Matthew 23. And it's also given to us in the first three verses of Matthew 24. In both of those sections of Scripture, we find Jesus in the, in the city of Jerusalem. And he's teaching in the temple, and after doing that, he comes out of the temple, and he points out the, the glorious temple buildings, and he tells his apostles that one day all those things were going to be torn down. One day, not one stone was going to be left upon another. Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem, and that prompts the apostles to ask two questions. In fact, I believe that the Lord is going to answer their questions, but he's going to answer them in the order that they are asked. And so I want to show you that. Let's start with the first question. The first question, when will these things happen? Jesus, you say the temple is one day going to be destroyed. It's one day not going to be here. But when is that going to happen? 
When is it going to be torn down? When will not one stone be left upon another? That is the first question asked by the apostles, and Jesus will begin answering that question in verse number four by letting them know that there are going to be several warning signs that precede Jerusalem's destruction. There are going to be several warning signs to let you know that this prediction is about to take place. Beginning with verse number five, Jesus says that one of the warning signs that would precede Jerusalem's destruction was many false Christ. Jesus says that false Christ would arise. False Christ would pop up on the scene. Many people would, would show up and, and claim to be the Christ and the Messiah, and, and, and they would deceive so many people. Before Jerusalem would be destroyed, Jesus says that there would be a lot of false Christs in the world, and he also says that there would be wars and rumors of wars. And there will also be nations going against nations. And kingdoms going against kingdoms. And he also says there will be earthquakes and, and famines in various places. He also says that many of his people would be persecuted. And some of them would fall away and even begin betraying one another. And he also says that many false prophets would rise up and they would lead people astray. And he also says there would be lawlessness and hatred. But despite that, the gospel, some kind of way, the gospel would still be preached in all the world. In verses 4, going all the way down to verse number 14, Jesus says, these were the things that would take place before Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. The question is, was Jesus right? Did these things happen? Did all these things occur before the destruction of the temple and the entire city of Jerusalem? My dear friends, the answer to that question is absolutely. Absolutely. You see, history tells us that every one of these things occurred before the destruction of Jerusalem. For example, consider the writings of a man named Josephus. This right here is a copy of the writings of a man named Josephus. And someone says, who is Josephus? Well, my friend Josephus was a Jewish historian who was living during the time when Jerusalem was destroyed. Josephus lived in the time of the first century, and in his writings, in his books, he says that he saw many of these things happen before, before Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. He says that he is an eyewitness to the prophecies of Jesus being fulfilled. In fact, he's just one of several historians who say that these events occurred before Jerusalem failed. For example, another historian by the name of Justin Martyr 
He says that prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, there was a man named Simon Magnus who was going around the Roman Empire claiming to be the Christ. He claimed to be the Messiah and the Comforter and the Word of God and the Almighty. There was also a man by the name of Dosithius who also claimed to be the Messiah prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. As Jesus said, there were a lot of men going around the Roman Empire claiming to be the Christ. There were also many wars and rumors of wars. In fact, both of those things were very common prior to 70 A.D. You see, we got to understand that when Jesus made this statement in 33 A.D., when he first made these predictions in Matthew 24, the Roman Empire was generally at peace. It was an empire that was generally at peace in the time of Jesus, but ironically, not long after Jesus would make these predictions, the Roman Empire would be an empire that would, that would be far from peaceful. For example, four Roman emperors died violent deaths in a period of about 18 months. The Syrians and the Jews would constantly fight with one another. The Jews would, would constantly rebel against the Romans. They, they never liked being under their rule. In fact, as a result of their rebellion, History tells us that the Jews lived in constant fear of the Romans. Whenever they would hear of, of the Romans coming their way, whenever they would hear rumors of the emperor sending an army into, into Judea, they would be so afraid by those rumors that they couldn't even focus on, on their farming duties. There were a lot of wars and rumors of wars prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. And there were also a lot of nations going against one another and a lot of kingdoms going against one another. A great example of that, again, is found when you study the, the relationship between the Romans and the Jews and the relationship between the Romans and the Syrians and, and many other nations. There are also earthquakes and famines and in diverse places. For example, in Acts chapter 11 and in verse number 28, Luke, the historian, tells us about a famine that affected the whole world. This famine, Luke tells us, occurred during the reign of a man named Claudius, and this famine would be followed by a pestilence, and as far as the earthquakes go, historians tell us about at least 12 Places where earthquakes occurred prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. There were at least 12 places where earthquakes occurred between 30 and 70 AD, and many of those places were Bible cities, cities like Colossae and Crete and Laodicea and even the region of Judea. Prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, there were earthquakes and famines in various places. And God's people were also persecuted. 
In fact, the historian Luke tells us a lot about this in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 7, he tells us about a time when a, a man named Stephen, a preacher and a deacon in the church, Stephen was murdered by the Jewish Sanhedrin council because he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 8, we can read about a great persecution beginning against the church in Jerusalem. This took place at the hands of a man named Saul of Tarsus. He would later become the apostle Paul. And then in Acts chapter 12, Luke also tells us about the time when the apostle James got his head cut off by the wicked king Herod. There was a lot of persecution against Christians. Prior to 70 A.D., and many disciples also fell away. Paul actually alludes to this in the second inspired letter that he wrote to Timothy in 67 A.D., three years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. Paul identifies two Christians, Phygelus and Hermogenes, who turned away from Jesus. He identifies them in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 15, and then in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, Paul calls out a Christian named Demas who had forsaken him because he loved this present world. Many Christians fell away prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, and as Jesus predicted, many Christians also betrayed one another. They stabbed one another in the back. In fact, a Roman historian by the name of Tacitus, he talks a lot about this in his writings. Tacitus tells us that when Christians were arrested by Jews prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, those Christians, in an effort to save their own lives, they would sell out their brethren. They would give the names of other Christians, and those other Christians would then be put to death. And as far as the false prophets go, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about that either directly or indirectly in nearly every one of his letters. I mean, just do a casual reading of Paul's letters and you will find him over and over again talking about all the false prophets that were in the world, how so many false teachers were, were trying to draw disciples away from Jesus. And in fact, John tells us in 1 John 4 and verse 1 that during his time, in the time of the first century, many false prophets had gone out into the world. And then I want you to go in your Bible now to the book of Colossians. Look over at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. You know, it is interesting how in the writings of Josephus, in his writings, he tells us that every one of these things, he saw every one of these things with the exception of the last point, the gospel being preached in all the world. Josephus says he saw every one of these things take place prior to 70 A.D. He, we have historical proof that all those things took place prior to 70 A.D. The only one Josephus does not mention is the last one, the gospel being preached in all the world. And so the question is, was Jesus also right about that one? Was the gospel preached in all the world prior to the destruction of Jerusalem? Well, listen to what Paul says in the book of Colossians. And keep in mind that Colossians was written in about 63 A.D., about 70 years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. In Colossians 1 and verse 5, Paul said, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, 
of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you just as in what? Just as in all the world. Just as in all the world also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day you heard of it, understanding the grace of God in truth. Now look at verse 23. In verse 23 of the same chapter, Paul says, If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and I moved away from the hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. And so notice how by the year 63 A.D., at least seven years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, Paul says that by that time, the glorious gospel had been preached in all the world. It had been proclaimed to all creation under heaven. That's what Paul says there. And so the point is, we have evidence, strong historical evidence, that Jesus was right. All of these signs occurred before the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. And so now I want you to go back to Matthew 24 again. And this time I want you to look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. Notice how in Matthew 24 and verse 13, Jesus says, Jesus says that the one who endures to the end will be saved. What does Jesus mean when he says the end there? Well, my dear friends, when Jesus says the end there, please understand that he's not referring to the end of people's lives. And he's not even referring to the end of the world. Instead, he's referring to the end of Jerusalem. He's referring to the end of the temple. He's referring to the end of of the Jewish system. Jesus is telling his people here that if they listened to these warnings and if they endured what was going to take place, they would survive. They would be saved. Their lives would be spared. That is what Jesus is talking about when he mentions the end there. In fact, it is interesting to note that history tells us that when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D., over a million Jews died in the city. And you know how many of them were Christians that died? Zero. Over a million Jews died when the Romans came into Jerusalem, but we have no evidence that any of them were Christians. And so evidently God's people Listen to the warnings of Jesus. In fact, after giving the warnings, Jesus tells them to be aware of when these things start to happen. Why does Jesus tell them that? Well, because Jesus wants them to know that when they saw these things take place, they would know that Jerusalem's end was near. They would know that the Jewish system was about to come to an end. He tells them, going back to Matthew 24 and verse 15, he tells them that the end would be there when the abomination of desolation took place. 
the abomination of desolation. Brothers and sisters, the abomination of desolation that Daniel spoke of is a reference to the Romans going into the temple to defile it. Here, Jesus is telling his people that when they saw the Romans going into the temple to defile it, it's time to get out of town. It's time to flee into the mountains. It's time to get out of Jerusalem quick, fast, in a hurry. Jesus says that if you wait, if you've waited that long, you, you may have waited too long. Jesus says these signs will precede the destruction of Jerusalem. And in case there are some folks who still don't think that these signs are referring to Jerusalem's end, I want to fast forward to some key verses in this chapter. Matthew 24, look at verse number 34. In Matthew 24 and in verse number 34, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this generation, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Notice how here in these verses, and these are key verses, Jesus is saying that everything that he said up to this point is not referring to our generation. It is not referring to things that will be signs for a generation living 2,000 years later. Instead, these signs that he has been talking about up to this point were for that generation, the generation of the first century. Jesus says these were signs for those people. That's what the Lord clearly says in those verses. These were warning signs designed to prepare people for the destruction of Jerusalem and that's how Jesus answers the first question. The first question, when will these things happen? When will Jerusalem be destroyed? Jesus answers that in the first 35 verses of this chapter. But remember, the apostles seem to ask a second question. And the second question is, what will be the sign of his coming in the end of the world? The reason why I am convinced that this is a second question is because when you get to verse number 36 of Matthew 24, Jesus seems to transition and talk about something different. Going back to Matthew 24 and in verse number 36, after saying that his words, the words that he gave pertain to the signs, they were for that generation. That generation would not pass away until those things took place. He said that in verse 34, but then in verse 36 he says, but of that day and hour. The word but there seems to be providing a word that is to contrast. There's a contrast here. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but the Father alone. For just as the coming of the Son of Man will be, I'm sorry, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day when Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand till the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now remember, before Jerusalem was destroyed, in verses 1 through 14, 
we saw Jesus telling us that there will be several signs that will precede it. There will be several warnings that will be given to give his people a heads up. But now notice how beginning in verse number 36, Jesus starts talking about something where there's not going to be any signs. There are not going to be any warnings. Instead, he says it's going to be like the days of Noah. He says that just like people were enjoying their lives and they were eating, drinking and marrying and, and giving in marriage, but they were caught off guard when when the flood came, when the when God opened up the floodgates. Jesus says it's going to be like that when he comes again and the world is going to be destroyed. Just like the days of Noah, when he comes again. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be unexpected. It's going to take place during a time when a lot of people are not going to be ready. I believe that Jesus is asking or answering two questions that the apostles had. One had to do with the destruction of Jerusalem. And one also has to do when he's going to come again and the world is going to be destroyed. Now, there's a lot more we're going to say about that. I just want it for the purpose of this video to set the scene, okay? I want to set the context. I want us to understand that the signs that are given in the first part of this chapter are not to be applied to our time today. They are not to be applied to events of the 21st century or the 20th century or even the 19th century. Instead, these were signs that would precede the destruction of, of Jerusalem. And we're going to have some more things to say about that in the next couple of classes. In fact, there are some very difficult verses that we did not cover in this video that we're going to cover in, in our next couple of classes. So don't worry about that. We're going to look at the difficult verses in the next couple of classes. But for now, I just wanted to set the scene and the context and just help us understand that these signs, these signs the Lord talks about are not to be applied today. Okay. But this does lead us to one final question, and that's what can, what can we learn from what we've seen so far? What lessons can we draw from what we've studied today? Well, I think there are at least two lessons, and the first lesson is we got to listen to Jesus. We need to make sure that we listen to Jesus. We need to make sure that we always take seriously and heed his warnings. Remember, over one million Jews died. When Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, but we have no evidence that, that any Christians died. We have no evidence that any disciples died. Why? Because obviously they listened to Jesus. They listened to his warnings. They, they looked for the signs and the seasons. And when they saw these things take place, they got out of the city just like he said. They were blessed when they listened to Jesus. They survived when they listened to Jesus. And the same is also true for us. Our lives will be blessed. We will do well. We're going to make it to heaven. Everything's going to be okay spiritually for us when we listen to Jesus. You can't ever go wrong when you listen carefully and take heed to the teachings of Jesus. There's a lesson here about listening to Jesus and the wisdom that is found in listening carefully to everything Jesus has to say. And then there's also a lesson here about making sure we're prepared for his return. 
while much of Matthew 24 has to do with the signs that would precede the destruction of Jerusalem, remember beginning with verse number 36, Jesus says that his return is going to be different than the destruction of Jerusalem. He says that his return is going to be like the days of Noah. There are not going to be any signs, any warnings. It's not going to be a heads up. It's going to be during a time when it's going to be sudden. It's going to be unexpected. Paul says it's going to be like a thief in the night. It could occur even on this very day. And we've got to make sure we're always ready. Those who are caught unprepared when the Lord comes back are going to be in a lot of trouble. They're going to be in far worse trouble than those Jews were in when the Romans entered into Jerusalem. And so we need to listen to Jesus. And we need to listen to what he says specifically about being prepared for his return like a thief in the night. Those are the things I want us to think about as we kind of just set the context for Matthew 24. Next time, we're going to look at some of the more difficult passages, particularly we'll look at what is being taught in verses 15 down to verse number 35. And so I hope you have a blessed day. Read this chapter a few times over the next few days, and Lord willing, I hope to pick up with this study on the Lord's Day.